Welcome to another season preview episode of the Hoops Harvest Podcast. Adam Schalke joined by Kurt Schroeder. Kurt, you're wearing a uh, Boston Red Sox hat. How are you feeling about that big win yesterday? Life is good on uh, this side of the Sox, boo. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was saying, not trying to rub it in, but uh, yeah, th- things are good. Uh, man, a lot of uh, stressful baseball the last week or so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, a couple walk-off wins for the Sox. Uh, that was good to see. Uh, I am just absolutely terrified of a Rose Arena and uh, Water Franco. So those two are going to be really, really good for the Rays moving forward. But uh, yes, things are good. And uh, I guess if this lead holds, I'll cross my fingers for you here, Foo. Uh, <laughs> for recording this on, uh, what, October 12th in the ninth inning of the uh, White Sox after the game. Yeah. Uh, this will be the greatest podcast of all time as I keep it on my TV. I'm holding out hope that the White Sox can turn around, but they're looking. It's been a rough day. It's been a very rough day down 10 to one. So it's looking like it's going to be uh, Astros Red Sox, but I'll cross my fingers for you. Nine run comeback. Hey, it's baseball, man. Weird things happen, but yeah, yeah. I don't know about that weird. Uh, they'd have to, there'd have to be some divine intervention. And uh, I don't know, maybe that guy's cane ran, ran out of magic or something. There's no magic left for this game. Uh, anyway, we're talking about basketball, not baseball. Uh, before we get into the uh, division previews, we're going to talk about the Southeast on this episode. Let's just touch briefly on a couple of things that have come up since we last recorded. Uh, first of all, Ben Simmons, did like the opposite of an Irish exit. He did an Irish entrance. He didn't tell anyone he was coming yesterday. And uh, the Nets were playing the Sixers, but he decided that he is going to show up. And so uh, we talked about the Sixers last week. I believe I predicted them for 43 wins without Simmons. Uh, Let's just have a brief conversation about him coming back and what that looks like. I mean, just because he's physically there doesn't mean that he'll physically be there I, I guess um it's, it's one of those things where okay it's it's better than him not being there and trying to figure out okay where does this team go um but at the same time I guess that they're still fielding offers um he's still not happy I guess yeah. Joel Embiid is still upset so it I don't know like if, if you look at like the macro argument here it's, it's kind of like you know is it gonna be fine and dandy at the end of the day I don't know so yeah maybe we'll, it'll be we'll worse <laughs> you know yeah it's you don't, don't want to disrupt culture, and this is one of the most disruptive situations I've seen in a while. I mean, uh, James Harden's situation was pretty disruptive last year, and eventually they moved him. Uh, but it just seems like how stubborn they are as far as him being a trade piece goes. They've already missed on good opportunities to deal him. It's not good when your players don't like each other. Maybe they go up for 45 wins instead of 43 but I think that this team is going to have so many chemistry issues and uh, we'll revisit when they trade them, but the Sixers are still not good. Yeah. I think that if all goes well and he plays and it, it kind of just works itself out through the rest of the season, he's obviously a benefit to your team as opposed to if you were to have a, you know, a, a Ben Simmons less team that yeah. didn't include a trade asset for him. But again, I, I, I don't know if they, people are overreacting in terms of like, oh, yeah, you know, all is well. This is going to be good. Um, I, I think that that still remains to be seen. Like, like I said, just because he's physically there doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to play well, be involved, 
uh, you know, fix kind of the issues that we've seen over the last few seasons in terms of not taking mid ranges, not taking threes, not uh, perfecting his free throw shot. So physically they're good, but at the same time, how much of a factor will he really be? Yeah. Is he going to be mentally there? Hey, Eloy Jimenez just got on base. That's how it all starts, folks. Hey, uh, <laughs> don't call it a comeback. <laughs> uh, Kyrie Irving. I like this move by the Nets. Basically, they had a distraction. And the way I see them handling this it, by uh, pretty much saying, hey, until you uh, follow the protocol, you're not going to be practicing with us and you're not going to be playing with us. I think that's good. Um, I think if there's anyone in the NBA who is going to die on a sword, it's Kyrie Irving. I feel like he would get some pleasure out of dying on a sword. I feel like that's kind of his thing. And here's a great sword for him to die on. And so my bold prediction is I don't think Kyrie Irving plays basketball this season. Um, But I don't think that hurts the Nets that much. It makes them a little bit more fragile. But you still have James Harden and Kevin Durant. Uh, Blake Griffin really showed that he still has a lot left in the tank. They had some good pickups with Patty Mills. I don't think that they're in that much trouble. Uh, I do think it's a really good thing that they just got rid of the distraction and made a line like, Hey man, you're not going to be a part-time player. You're not going to skip all our home games. Just if you don't want to play, don't play. I think it brings clarity to the situation. You know, like you, like you mentioned, I feel like it would be a distraction if it's okay. We get Kyrie this game. We don't have Kyrie this game, especially too, if you're Steve Nash, that'd be really difficult plugging people in and trying to figure out rotations based on, are you home or are you away? So I applaud Sean Marks for just removing Kyrie from the situation entirely and being like, Hey, this is the group of guys that we have. This is the group of guys that we trust. We're moving forward without him or with them without Kyrie, um, you know, get the vaccine or uh, we'll, we'll leave you in the dust. Yeah. And I like that because, you know, Kyrie plays these power games and basically Sean Marks to this uh, point is kind of like, all right, well, have fun with your games. I'm not playing them. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, he's just allowing him to dig his own grave. And I don't think Kyrie Irving is that invested in playing basketball. I just don't, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, especially during the pandemic era of NBA, when he's had even more random absences, it's, it's very ironic that, you know, he took that time off last year and went to a party. Like you're just, Kurt, what would happen if you didn't show up to work and you went to a party? I think I have a long leash at work, to be honest with you. But I, I see I see your argument. It's it's not going to be beneficial. No. That, yeah, that's how people get fired. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you were anchoring and you didn't show up to anchor, I'm sure uh, you'd at least have a, a stern talking to a stern talking to maybe a suspension. You know, right. like that's really um, I just don't have any sympathy for someone who doesn't want to do their job, especially when your job is playing basketball. Like you're living the dream, man. You get to have fun every day. And uh, he's so talented. I wish he would play just from a pure entertainment standpoint. He's unbelievable, but um, enough is enough. And so good for Sean Marks to just kind of draw the line in the sand. And now they can just focus on basketball with the people who are there. I think it makes Kyrie look even more foolish. Not not to say that, uh, you know, the like we mentioned last episode, the, the vaccine situation, uh, you know, I, I have uh, strong opinions on it. I'm not going to uh, say that during the podcast. But at the same time, 
it he kind of looks foolish in the fact that like he's third fiddle you know that this isn't the celtics where he can cut you know he's the star player maybe people have to cater to him it's like okay like yes you're a critical piece to our team but like we still have kevin durant we still have james harden like i think it's a, a different narrative if Kyrie is the one behaving himself and KD is the one who's like, ah, oh, you know, kind of on the fence, not going to get vaccinated, uh, figure it out guys. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things where he doesn't really have as strong a leg to stand on uh, being kind of the number three guy on the, on the team. Yeah. I think that's accurate. And it's just, and there it is. It's, it's over. No, that's just two outs, but it, it's over, Kurt. It's over. The Sox are no, numbers. no fool. You got to get 27 uh, outs. Yeah, they're there at 26. You, you never know. Yeah, maybe a, a 10 run homer can save them and they win 11 to 10. Um, just one swing like, of the bat. <laughs> like those John Harbaugh, uh, what, 16 point touchdowns or whatever he mentioned a couple weeks ago. Oh, I don't remember that one. Oh, uh, so uh, I'll spare you the details, but. Uh, wasn't a fan of the uh, the play calling from the opposition. He's like, you know, what are you doing? There's no 16 point touchdown. So, well, I love Harbaugh. Uh, they're electric. They're a very fun team this year. Uh, I'm assuming you're talking Ravens, Harbaugh. Ravens, Ravens, John. Yes. Okay. Very good. Anyway, let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's get into what this one is all about. I just got the notification on my phone. It's over. They're eliminated. Okay. I'm mm. sad now. I'm sad. I'm processing. I'm grieving. I'm angry. I'm better. My grieving is over. Now we're talking about basketball season. Basketball season is almost upon us. Let's talk about the uh, least magical team in the NBA, the Orlando Magic. I was going to say, so uh, we have, we're <laughs> predicting the, the finishes uh, in the Southeast, top to bottom, one, two, three, four, five. Um, assuming based on what you just said, I also have the Magic finishing fifth. Yeah, um, not good. <laughs> yeah, do, do, you, do you have the uh, over-under win total for the Magic? Oh, let me let me pull that one up. Uh, and while I do, I'll just say that I think it's a fun young team, right? Right. But like, come on, man, come on. I I, I just don't think that they uh, have what it takes. I do like the some of the players, right? I really enjoy. Um, gosh, the guy who just got. Uh, the ACL injury, uh, Jonathan Isaac. I think he can be really special. I really enjoy uh, Wendell Carter Jr. And I think he, he's been better. It's, I think it kind of lit a fire under his ass last year when he was traded and he seemed to be better after that. Mo Bamba, it seems like they're giving him a little bit more tick, but ultimately it's a bad team. Uh, so the mark on them is 22 and a half. I got him at, yeah, like 24. Um, yeah, 25 and 57. Is right yeah. on my list. Yeah, I, I could see him winning 18, though. Yeah, it's, I agree with everything you said. Um, to me, I, I think the biggest issue is just the log jam at the guard position. And I know that you can never have too much depth, but I, I don't really see it as a depth uh, situation. I see it more as like, who's going to play? Who's getting minutes? What are the rotations going to look like? Right. Um, wh when you have like Terrence Ross is your leading scorer, returning scorer. Uh, at like 15 a game, like you're going to need more scoring than that. That's just not going to cut it. Um, Markel Fultz coming back, uh, you know, he's kind of been up and down, kind of a renaissance there in Orlando, but still underwhelming as a first round or a number one overall pick in the first round. Uh, Jalen Suggs, love his game, but he's a rookie. So, you know, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, I really like what I saw from Cole Anthony last year. I thought that he kind of 
uh, outperformed maybe his draft stock. Um, but then you have people like, you know, RJ Hampton, good player, but he's young. How, you know, where does he fit in? Gary Harris um, in that trade for, uh, for Gordon, obviously a, a good piece, but at the same time, like starter bench player, what are you going to get from him overall? Uh, and then Michael Carter Williams too, is kind of a, you know, a good defender uh, can, can run the point and get people situated, but it's just one of those things where, you know, I don't know who gets the minutes there. Um, I think you have to start Fultz. I think you have to start Suggs and just get them going. Um, a lot, like I said, a lot of good pieces. They're just such a young team. And over the last five seasons, they've been bottom third of the league offensively in terms of offensive efficiency. So I'm looking at the roster top to bottom, and I just don't see them fixing or having fixed their offensive woes. So, yeah. and then last comment I have on that is, you know, we, you mentioned the Jonathan Isaac uh, return from injury. Um, Markel Fultz also returning from injury. It's just one of those things where are they going to be the same player? Are they going to make a leap? Are they going to take a step back because maybe they're not as athletic? So it, it's just one of those things where this is a, a nice core that they have. But again, some teams are simply, as you say, Fu, just not good at basketball. And yeah. right now, the Orlando Magic, not good at basketball. It's, it's like the island of misfit toys, you know, like all, all the guys you mentioned. It's like some of them have legitimate skill sets, but like they don't fit together. What kind of team has Michael Carter Williams on the same team with Terrence Ross? Like you have the two most opposite players in the world. One guy who all, all he can do is score and Michael Carter Williams like can do everything else at an average level. And I wouldn't, I mean, he, I, geez, I don't know, man. I think you could beat him in a shootout, frankly. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Never been a three point shooter or a, you know, a mid range guy for sure. Uh, part of the process who, as yeah. we we mentioned, um, part of one of those, <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> those those Philly guys that didn't really pan out. So, jeez, one uh, rookie of the year in what was it, 2013, I believe. But I think it was uh, 1932. Yeah, kind of just a a decent guy you bring off the bench. But yeah, how much is Michael Carter Williams really going to turn your franchise around? He's not going to do dink, man. He's not going to do dink. I'm going to keep an eye on Mo Bamba. Uh, like he finally started getting some minutes and there were a few games there at the end of the season where he actually had like really nice stat lines. He had a 18 rebound performance against the Hornets. Uh, he had a 15 rebound performance against the Celtics and, you know, four blocks in each of those games. And so they're starting to actually play him and see what they have from him. Uh, but also like, okay, so what about, you know, you mentioned the log jam in the front court. Okay. There's a log jam in the back court too. Cause then, what about Wendell Carter Jr.? You know, like, who's your guy? What are you doing? I don't think they know what they're doing. I don't think they have an identity. And that's the worst problem you can have in the NBA. If your team doesn't even have an identity, it's just like, it's a rec league team, man. It's just a bunch of random dudes, like, running out there and playing together. And they'll get some wins, you know? They're Like, it's the NBA. They'll beat the Lakers one night and people will be like, how do the magic beat the Lakers? And I don't know, man, it's the NBA. That's how things go, but they're awful. Like maybe the worst team in the league. Jalen Suggs might be good. I think he will be good. They might be okay in like three years for now. Absolutely unwatchable. Like yeah, they were really, unless you want to watch Suggs. They were really bad last year and then they lost Vucevic and Gordon. So it's, it's like, I, I can't imagine that they'd be better. And but Fournier. Who knows? And Fournier, yeah. Yeah, so disaster. <laughs> not a lot to look forward to if you're in Central Florida. 
Let's talk about the second uh, least magical team in the NBA, the Wizards. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I also have the finishing fork. And yeah. uh, when you said magical, I was like, yes, I think this is going to, uh, to be a perfect segue into uh, what we're talking about here. Yeah, uh, the, the Wizards have no magic. Uh, they're they're, they're going to be awful as well. Uh, I think it worse, like 24 wins at best, 32. But like, what are you doing? Here's the thing, Kurt. I don't know what this team's going to look like because last year their entire identity was Russell Westbrook. They beat a lot of teams. They wound up being like low key kind of dangerous at the end because of how fast they played. And that made it so they could go on these like quick little runs. And then, you know, uh, Westbrook would get down to Beal and then they'd score really, really quick. Uh, and they would win in these just like weird, sloppy games, but they were totally exposed by the Celtics and they are not a good team. And now Russell Westbrook's gone and so is Scott Brooks. And so you got to wonder, like, who even are these guys? Yeah, I have them uh, at 34 wins, which is the same total they had last year with 10 less games. Okay. Um, so 34 and 48 is where I have them. Maybe I'm a little bit. Uh, more optimistic than you, but I, I think a, like a lot of it comes down to just Bradley Beal's availability. Um, he's been on the hot seat, I guess. Well, I guess can you be on a hot seat if you're a player? Anyway, uh, been rumored in trades for years now, yeah. right? And and he's like, well, I'm committed to the Wizards. I'm committed to the Wizards, but will the Wizards be committed to him? Um, I don't think they should be, and it's not no. not nothing against him, but like at this point, like how old is Bradley Beal? You, yeah, you have to get something for him. Yeah, because uh, you're, you're wasting his prime. I'm going to say 28. What is he? He is 28 and 106 days. Nailed it. Nailed it. So, uh, But I mean, health has been a concern with him. Um, and it's just one of those things where there's no way that he signs another deal. So I feel like you have to get rid of him to get some sort of value. Uh, you know, whether it's fair value or not, I feel like Bradley Beal is on his way out. Um, and that's obviously a, a huge piece of their team. He was the second leading scorer in the NBA last year. Um, yeah. Russell Westbrook, say what you will about him, you know, whether you're high on him or low on him, um, you know, is the team better with him or without him? I think that that remains to be seen. Um, I do like what they've done in the draft the last couple of years with uh, Rui Hachimura and uh, Abia. I think that those guys can be good players moving forward, but um, it's like, like Dinwiddie, good piece but not a good shooter but yeah he's not a good shooter and he always injured i don't think he's a true number two either so you know to to beal um coming off of injury as well so we'll see what he looks like um i mean like kcp peace and peace Corey kispert watched a lot of him at gonzaga he can really shoot the basketball uh not horribly athletic but a good shooter so you know you can never have too much shooting um, Montrez Harrell, good in the pick and roll game for sure. But I think that he kind of got like lost in the mix with the Lakers. It's very yeah. weird because he was six man of the year with the Clippers and then yeah. can't even find the floor. With the and Lakers. if they are going to play fast, I think that he's a good fit because he's a total rim runner and, and Kuzma too. Uh, you know, he's, he's someone who's going to get up and down. And so I like that interchangeability, uh, between Kuzma and Harrell, uh, Kuzma, a little bit more of an outside game too, but like, I don't think Kuzma is that good uh I think Daniel Gafford's a fine uh athletic 
center. He's, you know, a rim protector. I, I think he's, he's solid. Like, yeah, maybe they win 30 games. The line is uh 34 and a half. So you were, you were spot on just below. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I just, I don't see it. Uh, I think if you're a wizards fan and you're expecting them to even be in the play in situation, you're absolutely kidding yourself. I agree with that for sure. Uh, I think that they got deeper for sure. Um, you know, by getting rid of, rid of Westbrook, man, that's tough to say. Um, the defense should improve as well, um, but they've been a, a bad defensive club the last few years too. So um, I, I kind of group them together with the Wizards. It's like, or uh, with the Magic, I should say, you know, I, I think more of a complete roster, more of a uh, experienced roster, but at the end of the day, not good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, I think their best bet is to, and this is the difference because this isn't tanking. This is rebuilding, and there's a difference between the two. But I think that their best bet is accepting that they're not going to be a playoff team. They're stuck just below purgatory. They're like in that slightly below average category right now, which is a horrible place to be as an NBA franchise. This is your time to trade Beal while his value is super high, and you get as many picks as you can for him. And then you do your best with what you have. Uh, don't intentionally try to lose, but do it, do your best with what you have and start looking to the future because right now it's just a team without much of an identity. You mentioned that they have some uh, young stars and I think that those guys are young enough where you can continue to build around them. But uh, this is just a mess. It's, it's a very weird uh build but i'm I'm just going to go back to the total cop-out i said at the beginning of our discussion on the wizards i don't know what they're going to look like last year they were the fastest team in the nba and they actually got it together after a horrible horrible start but now everything that they're built around or were built around has changed and i just don't know i don't know what kind of style they're even going to play i just um they're a massive question mark for me. Uh, we'll see what, what Wes Ensel Jr. does to kind of build an identity. And if, if this team wins more than 35 games or wins 35 games or more, then like, shoot, give them the respect. Because at that point, they really earned it. Because looking at this roster, it's it's ugly. It's one of the worst in the league. I think you can assume, too, that Beal will be out. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the predictions that I have right now are because he's on the roster and going to play. Um, but that could get, you know, I mean, you're losing a ton of wins if Beal is shipped out or injured again. Yeah. So yeah, I think it all depends. Not all depends, but a lot of, a lot of it depends on Bradley Beal and his health and his availability. And if he's even on the team, who knows, maybe uh, they'll get Ben Simmons. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, now a team, everyone is buzzing around uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, what do you think about the Hornets? I'm assuming you have them third. I, I, I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, full transparency. We're not sharing our standings before the pod. So, you know, I, I like that we're on the same page here. Um, I think it's also, pretty cut and dry. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, these transitions are phenomenal. Foo. Well done. Oh, thank uh, you. Wordplay <laughs> is the best play. As I yeah, say magic. Uh, <laughs> you got all sorts of spells and buzz. So I'm, cur- I'm curious to see what you do for the next two teams. Um, Charlotte, I, I have a lot to say about the next three teams that we're going to talk about. And I like, I don't, I should qualify this. I don't like the Charlotte Hornets. I like where they're going. 
Okay. Um, I think that they're on the right track for sure. So when you trot out a lineup with like Ball, Rozier, Hayward, you know, assuming that he's going to give you half a season, maybe he just seems to always be hurt. Yeah. Um, PJ Washington. And then I do like the addition of Mason Plumley. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that he's a, a good center for sure. Losing Devontae Graham, I think could be huge just because he was a really good shooter for them. Uh, would score 20 a game, uh, a good person who can run the point as well. Um, I do think that allows Lon or uh, LaMelo to be LaMelo more. 100%. Um, losing Malik Monk, uh, I was really high on him coming out of college, but I don't think that that's a piece that they really miss when he went to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody's, Cody Zeller is in Portland too. So I think one of the things with them is they really lacked kind of an inside presence. So I'll be curious to see what they do uh, in the front court in terms of their production. I like the Kelly Oubre addition. Uh, just an athletic wing, gives him depth, uh, gives him scoring, gives him shooting. Uh, I really like the selection of James Booknight, Booknight out of UConn, uh, a really good scorer for them. Um, and again, like you can never have too many scorers in the league. Uh, one of the stat bombs, ready for this? I, I found this somewhere online. I think it was on NBA.com, actually, an article. Okay. Um, allowed four and a half corner threes per game. That is the second highest mark in NBA history. Yikes. That was last season. And so I obviously have seen a lot of LaMelo Ball highlights um, on, you know, Bleacher Report, House of Highlights, whatever you want to call it. Um, I also tried to follow the Hornets a lot last year because they had Caleb and Cody Martin who played at Nevada uh, during my time here. Um, They got beat in transition a lot defensively, gave up a lot of easy buckets, like a lot of just uncontested layups. And then that stat, I think, is really telling the four and a half corner threes a game. I mean, that's the shortest distance if you're going to be a shooter. And you're giving that up. I mean, easy looks, that's just not something that's going to pan out well for you. So defense is kind of a major question mark. But one final point I'll make on this is I do think that Charlotte is a lot better. I have them at 38 wins. So 38 and 44. Uh, Last season, they had 33 wins, 33 and 39. And I think one of the reasons why I have them just on the right track and improving is if everyone remembers LaMelo Ball came off the bench last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that him having a solidified position in that point guard role and just another year of experience for him. And, you know, you mentioned that the last two teams kind of them not having an identity. I think that we do know what the Charlotte Hornets identity is. They're going to want to get up and down the court. They're going to run. They're going to shoot. They're going to be athletic. And I think that they just get off to a faster start and have a more um, solidified idea in terms of what they're doing uh, by having LaMelo as their starting point guard for, you know, the whole season and years to come. Yeah. I actually agree with you to uh, down to the details. I also have them 38 wins. And so uh, I, I look at this team and yeah, like I really like PJ Washington and miles bridges, uh, same concerns that everyone should have about Gordon Hayward. Uh, I think he only played 45 four games yeah he played 44 games last year but damn he was really having one of the best seasons he's had in his career he was having the best season he's had since he was on the utah jazz uh he was shooting uh tied for well he was shooting a, a very high percentage his rookie year he shot 47 percent, but only one attempt per game but he's shooting uh just under 42 percent from three last year he was great and he was kind of their power forward and now um yeah i think they're just one of those teams that it's good that they have an identity, but it's a shame they don't have much versatility uh, because let's say the Hornets are playing a team like the Chicago Bulls. The two teams would be comparable last year, and I think you could give the Hornets the edge. 
especially before the Vucevic trade. But now if they're running against a team like the Chicago Bulls who can match their speed and also have a size advantage, they're going to be in trouble. And that's going to be a lot of teams in the NBA. Uh, so I, I don't think that they um, – I, I don't think that they're bad, but I don't think they're good either. And I don't think that they're going to be anywhere near that play in – maybe just on the outside of looking in on the play-in situation. Uh, as we mentioned last week, you know, the Pacers should be better. Uh, I think the Knicks did a lot to sure things up there. Uh, even a team like Washington would give them a good fight because Washington's going to be able to play that like up and down game, given their roster. Uh, LaMelo ball is a really special player. And I, I do believe in his future. I was, I'll admit when I'm wrong. Uh, sometimes I pat myself on the back when I'm right. And so I got to, you know, take my L's as well as my dubs. I was wrong on LaMelo ball. I thought he was going to be a bust. Uh, he was such a bad three-point shooter overseas. He, I didn't really care what he did in the kangaroo league, uh, but he came in and he was extremely exciting. He was much watched, watch basketball, uh, 16 points per game, six assists, uh, six rebounds. I think, you know, he's going to be someone who flirts with a triple double on an almost nightly basis. He shot 35% from three. And ultimately this team's going to go as far as he's going to take them. But uh apart from run and gun i don't really see a roster that screams half court offense and i think that they're going to uh break down because i don't think lamello is an isolation scorer to this point in his career but if he takes a massive step up then and is in that all-star conversation then sure maybe this team uh is 500 or close uh but right now yeah i think they're a cute team uh I'm looking at 38 wins though. I mean, they're, they're a team that will beat bad teams, but when they go against teams that can match their speed and have that size advantage, like I mentioned, they just don't have much uh, to do. They got some really fun athletes and they'll be able to run out a team uh, that isn't able to run. Like if they're playing the Denver nuggets and the Denver nuggets are dealing with a bunch of injuries and it's Vucevic against the world, like, I'm talking last year's playoff Nuggets, not a healthy Denver Nuggets team. Then they they might get that win, you know. Um, but if they play a team that has any sense of versatility and can match their speed, they're they're in trouble. I think that uh, they have a very low ceiling, or, or I'm sorry, low uh, basement. Like I, I think that they will win around 38, but I could see it going horribly in them not getting to 32. Yeah, I think that if you're a team with size, who's disciplined with the basketball, doesn't turn it over and plays physical, uh, I think that that's like the perfect recipe to beat the Hornets. I just don't see them matching up well against, and I know a lot of teams can't match up well against the Milwaukee Bucks, but a, a team like that, that's just going to pound you and be relentless. Uh, I don't see the Hornets being able to match uh, teams from a physical standpoint. Yep. I would agree with that. Let's uh, fly on up into the standings where uh, the Atlanta Hawks have been absolutely fun. Just, just fun. And if you listen to last year's season preview, remember when I said that when I'm wrong, I have to admit it. And when I'm right, I have to pat myself on the back. I was right. I, I, I think I was one of the first of the party, maybe the first at the party, when I said that the Atlanta Hawks are going to be really good. They're the dark horse out of the East. 
Don't sleep on them. They have a great roster. It makes basketball sense. Everything uh, wound up coming to fruition. And it's pretty much the same team down there in Atlanta. And I mean, it still makes basketball sense. I think Trey Young's a little overrated. I don't think he's as good of a a, uh, three-point shooter as we like to think. He's extremely exciting. He's a brilliant playmaker. He shot under 35% from three last year. Like, Lonzo Ball had more threes than him last year. But the common misconception about the Atlanta Hawks is they aren't just Trey Young. Bogdanovich is a key piece. Lou Williams, uh, I think, should continue to earn a little bit more of a role. He was so key uh, when Trey went out last year in that game against the Bucs. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, I think, is the major X factor because he's your versatile defender who I think you can realistically run at uh, three different positions, small forward all the way, all the way through center. Uh, and then you still have Gallinari and John Collins. Like This is a really, really deep team uh, with good depth interchangeable pieces. I don't think that they have what it takes on the defensive end to necessarily be a contender. I don't think that they're going back to the Eastern conference finals, but I think they get out of the first round. I think it's a really good team. Uh, I'm going to take a look at the mark uh, for the Hawks. What's your guess? I have them at 49. You're good, man. It's a 46 and a half. And yeah, I'm thinking about 48, 47. Yeah. I think the only thing that can be, detrimental to the Hawks is kind of just too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, they have, they're so loaded offensively, like so loaded, but there's only one basketball. Um, I like the additions of like DeLon Wright and Gorgie Jang. I think that those are good pieces for them. Good role players that don't necessarily need to, you know, be stars or need to handle the ball. Uh, resigning John Collins, huge piece. He's obviously, I mean, I guess depending on who you ask, but I think he's their second best player. I would um, say so. Just the the lineup of like Young, Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella. Um, but like their bench can also start uh, for a handful of teams. Like Kevin Herter, a very good player. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, very good player. Uh, Cam Reddish came on uh, kind of late in the season after missing a handful of games and, uh, you know, proved to be an athletic force for them. Uh, Lou Will, as you mentioned, off the bench, a good scorer, a veteran. So... I think there's a lot of scoring on this team. There's a lot of shooting on this team. They're not going to have, yeah, they're not going to have any issues offensively. Um, And then I also, you know, I think this needs to be touched on. I think they killed the draft. Uh, Jalen Johnson out of Duke. I think one of the most underrated players shot 44% from three, uh, albeit limited games. I think he played like 13 or something like that, but still like 40, uh, 44% on a team that already has a ton of shooting. You can never have enough shooting. Uh, And then Sharif Cooper out of Auburn uh, didn't shoot a high percentage. So it, it, you know, I guess it remains to be seen what he's able to do in terms of a development standpoint, but he scored 20 points a game in the SEC at Auburn. So just a couple really good scorers, uh, some shooters there. Um, And like I mentioned, my big question mark is just how does it all gel uh, you know, what lineups do you trot out there? Are people going to be unselfish? You know, they have a lot of guys who are are going to want big time contracts in the future. So are they going to play within the system and maybe take a lesser role and kind of default to Trey Young and John Collins? Or are they going to want to prove, hey, I'm a really good player offensively. I'm more capable than what I'm showing. And maybe that gets in the way in terms of team chemistry. So 
Uh, one of the things that I think we haven't really touched on either is just that they've been in the bottom of the league defensively. But at the same time, if you got a lot of offense and you can just score, you know, 125 a game and win 125 to 123, you know, like maybe that's how they win ball games. I think that is pretty much how they're going to win ball games. I mean, I, I think that there isn't a team in the league that is a better fit for Clint Capella uh, because you have all the shooting around him. And just looking at last year's team, uh, the shot makers they have from deep, uh, Tony Snell, I believe he's, he's gone now, right? Yeah. Snell is gone, but he led the team with an outlandish, uh, 56, 9%, but Lou Williams was 44% from them. Bogdanovich, uh, 44%, Gallinari, 41, uh, Collins, 40, uh, Herter, 36, Trey Young, 34, uh, Deandre Hunter, who's very young, uh, is 32.6. I think Hunter's the guy who, if they do take a big step forward, it's because Hunter starts to look like a fringe all-star. And I think that's absolutely, uh, I don't want to say likely, but I wouldn't be surprised either. Last year, 15 points per game, five rebounds. Uh, I, like I said, he's such an important versatile defender for them in a team that has this major weakness defensively. I would agree with you that John Collins is the second best player on that team. But then the weird thing is like, I mean, you have a A minus player in Trey Young and then like two B plus players in uh, Capella and Collins. But then you have like a bunch of B's and B minuses, right? Like the class GPA is a good one. Uh, Bogdanovich, I think he's a B minus player. Hunter's a solid B player. Uh, Herter, maybe a C plus, maybe a B minus. Lou Williams, maybe a C plus, maybe a a B minus. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, that guy's like a solid B minus at this point in his career. I think what's going to be interesting for them to really uh, take that next step. Obviously, Trey Young is a really good playmaker, but I want to see multiple playmakers. I want to see what they can do moving the basketball and keep the defense guessing because they're a nightmare to defend. You have to guard Trey at half court in as much as we, or I, you know, not his 34% from three. I, I'm going to look at the whole story too. He's someone who's going to take really difficult threes and that makes him hard to defend because you have to pick him up on the logo. And so that's going to make it. So you're going to have slashing lanes for Bogdanovich or Hunter And I wouldn't be surprised if they make some sort of move because they have the assets that can either be really good for them to have a great season and a deep playoff run, or they're like, hey, let's flip some of these guys. Like, let's flip Gallinari and uh, Bogdanovich and Hunter and go after Bradley Beal. You know, Um, they have enough pieces where if there's a team that's, dangling a star in front of their eyes, then they can, they can go get them. The Hawks are in just a really, really good position as an NBA franchise right now. I don't think that they're a contender, but yeah, I'm thinking about a, a 48 win team. Yeah. Pace is going to be crazy. Uh, talk about a, a team that's going to be fun in 2k. Yeah. I, I think that would be a, a blast to play with the Hawks. And I'm glad you, you touched on just the trade assets because as I mentioned, I think that, you know, one of the things that could, you know, get in the way of this team succeeding is having too many cooks in the kitchen. I think that if you kind of unload some of the guys um, and get, as you mentioned, maybe 
you know, some, some C plus guys, some B minus guys, unload them with picks for an A or an A minus guy. Um, I think that that could really put them over the top, but at the same time, at what point do they make that deal? You know, I feel like most of the time we see movement in the off season. Um, maybe there's a trade that happens in the middle of the season, but I could totally see the Hawks kind of, I don't want to say trimming the fat, but opting to go for star power over depth at this point, because I really do think that that is going to get them over the hump. Yeah. And this is a team that the whole NBA is going to take notice of at this point. Uh, and so it's dicey if you want to touch the over on that, even though we're both on the over, but uh, yeah, man, they're, I think at this point we know who they are and it took a coaching change. Nate McMillan has done a phenomenal job taking this team without great defenders and having them really locked down in the playoffs. Like they're a playoff basketball team that knows how to play that kind of grinded out way. And they have that toughness uh, that McMillan really seemed to instill in them. And so uh, yeah, from, from the coaching down as a team with an identity it's a dangerous team but they're not the hottest team in the southeast kurt no 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 that is uh the miami heat are the hottest team and let me tell you what buddy beware this is they they quietly might have had the best off season or right up there in the nba uh i think that they should be taken extremely seriously they didn't lose much and they acquired key pieces that fit seamlessly into their identity which has been well established i would compare the heat to a honda accord like a souped up honda accord it's reliable it's well made it's going to win you some races but it's probably not going to win you the biggest race of all and by that i mean these guys are not legit contenders but they're close they're so close uh, excellent shooting playmaking uh they had some shooting issues last year i don't think that that's going to be the case this year Four really good playmakers in Jimmy, uh, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo. Like I said, the shooting needs to be better. Defensively, I'm looking at the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Heat is probably the three best defensive teams in the East. I made my notes before Ben Simmons was back, uh, so I'll put them in the conversation, but they're one of the best defensive teams uh, out East. I think that they're just going to be a nightmare matchup. I mentioned on previous podcasts, I think they won the offseason without question. I mean, they had a really good season last year, a little bit underwhelming, I guess, from two seasons ago when they were, you know, the uh, Eastern representative in the NBA finals. Um, but they addressed their needs, as you mentioned, like you bring in Kyle Lowry to address the point guard position. Yeah, you lost Goran Dragic, but I think Kyle Lowry is a better defender and overall player. And he's just more reliable. He's a perfect uh, Miami Heat fit, too. Like he's exactly. super gritty. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to get steals. He's going to draw charges. Jimmy Butler and him are going to have a love affair. I mean, they are made to play with each other. And they brought in P.J. Tucker, who just succeeds everywhere he goes. Um, Markeith Morris, I'm not all that high on him. Uh, but he but fits. I, but, yeah, he, he fits. I think that if he has kind of that, like, you know, come off the bench, maybe get you a few buckets, but is more of a guy who plays the passing lane, is, is there to defend, I think that that would be a perfect role for him. Uh, the, the rich got richer again. Um, I think that they were fifth. Uh, yeah, top five defensive club last year in terms of points allowed. So they got tougher and they got better defensively, which is just like, you know, perfect Miami Heat basketball. Uh, Resigning Duncan Robinson, I think, is huge. Uh, obviously one of the elite three-point shooters in this game. Yeah. Uh, Victor Oladipo could be an X factor for sure. You know, if he yeah. 
they, they got him on a low. I think he's like one point, you know, 1 million or 1.2, whatever he signed for very, very cheap deal. Uh, having said that he came cheap because he's been hurt. So, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of player are we going to get from Victor Oladipo? Is he going to be uh, like he was with the Pacers or is he going to kind of just fade uh, into oblivion. I, I, I don't know, but you know, losing Trevor Ariza, that's not really something that they need to be concerned about. I did like Kendrick Nunn off the bench. I think that yeah. he was a really good scorer. So I think that they'll miss him with the Lakers. Uh, Iguodala, you know, say what you will about him. Good defender, but well, Iggy, Iggy's, Iggy's gone. Iggy's gone. Right. Exactly. Uh, oh, I see what you're Chua. saying. I see. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm listening to guys who they lost. Uh, okay, okay. Chua, also gone. Um, but you know, when you trot out Lowry, Jimmy, uh, Duncan Robinson, PJ Tucker, bam, I think that that's a good starting five for sure. The thing that worries me is just overall bench production. So Tyler hero, are we going to get bubble Tyler hero? Or are we going to get the kid who got a sophomore slump last year, Mm -hmm. Uh, a tremendous shooter scorer off the bench? Um, you know, what strides does, does he take in year three? Uh, just looking at their kind of the way that they fell out though. Um, Markeith Morris, fine player. Gabe Vincent, I think, is going to have an expanded role. I think that he's a decent yeah. player as well. Uh, I think he's Max- key filling in that Kendrick Nunn role, too, and I think he's an excellent uh, bench piece. Yeah, Max Struess, he can really shoot the basketball as well. Needed to shout him out. Uh, a guy <laughs> that I, I know his game for sure, Caleb Martin. Um, I think like, he's a really, really good athlete. Um, so I just hope that he gets more burned than he got in Charlotte. I think he Caleb- will. Yeah, and I think Caleb Martin is going to be a guy who really shows you his offensive arsenal. Um, and he's really improved his jump shot. He kind of had a weird form where he was falling back on one leg uh, when he was playing here at Nevada. Uh, a guy who it, the release was just a little weird. It came off the rim soft, which is what you want to see. But at the same time, just fading away on every shot, uh, I, I don't think was beneficial to him. But he's really corrected his form and it looked really nice. So, I hope that he can come in and be kind of that scoring punch off the bench. And then, as I mentioned too, when Oladipo is healthy and has found himself a role, what are the heat getting out of Oladipo? So the only thing that I kind of knock on them is maybe they don't have the star power that some other teams do, although they have really, really good players, definitely star level players. They're all for Pistons esque. Yeah. It's just, what are you getting from the bench production? Because I do think this team is a little bit thin. Having said that, they have a lot of young players that are fit and in shape. Um, And from what I understand, too, the Miami Heat have a really uh, grueling offensive or um, off-season workout plan. So they're supposed to be the best team in terms of shape. Um, So we'll we'll see how that plays into it. Um, But I guess they could play more people or I should say more minutes for those starters. I think that's what they're going to have to do to stay competitive. But I think if you, you know, dip into the bench a little bit could be tough, but that's kind of my one knock on them is just what is the bench production going to look like? How much scoring are you going to get off the bench? How much uh, offensive efficiency are you getting off the bench? But like I said, they address a lot of their issues. They have a lot of really good pieces, a lot of unselfish guys, a lot of team guys, a lot of guys who are going to, you know, number one goal, is is winning the championship instead of padding their own offensive stats. You know, I think I'm just a little higher on the bench aspect uh, than you are here. And I, I, I see what you're saying, but you, let me see if I can convince you. Max Struess, uh, DePaul Blue Demon, by the way, uh, an excellent shooter, and he really 
took advantage of his limited minutes last year. I'm going to see if I can pull up his uh, per 36 numbers. Uh, But Struess is your bench Duncan Robinson. Uh, And one of the reasons I say someone like Caleb Martin could get more burn is because he's one of the best ever. I mean, um, uh, Spolstra, recognizing these guys' abilities. Uh, Per 36 minutes last year, uh, 17 points per game for Struess. He's just a solid scorer off the bench. He, he's a nice athlete. Uh, but you're going to be able to have Tyler Hero play either guard position. Oladipo should be back by mid-November. He can also play either guard position. I do trust Gabe Vincent. I really like Casey Akpala. I think he's a really nice defender. And even though that power forward position is a little weird, keep in mind you're going to see plenty of Jimmy Butler there. And so you're going to have P.J. Tucker's probably that starting guy. Uh, Markeith Morris is a fine uh, guy because he's a tough guy like Tucker, you know, and uh, like Jake Crowder before them. And they seem to really miss Jake Crowder, but they have that three and D tough guy now, whether it be uh, Tucker or Morris. And then uh, Dwayne Dedman is, is fine too. And you can throw Markeith Morris in a little bit at the center. And so I think that they have interchangeable pieces, which is really key where I really am excited is defensively and we talked about how the rich are getting richer there but just imagine in december after oladipo has his legs under him and hopefully everyone's healthy a lineup of kyle lowry victor oladipo jimmy butler and then either casey akpala uh, PJ Tucker or Markeith Morris. You could really put any of those guys are really good defenders at the four and then bam out of bio. Good luck scoring. Yeah, elite defensive starting, th- you know, one through five. Yeah. They're a team that is uh, going to be a huge challenge for any offense. Uh, the offenses that are going to be uh, looking to out quick people, whether it be the golden state warriors or uh in a lot of ways, maybe the Dallas Mavericks or the Chicago Bulls, the Heat are going to be able to be on them like gloves. Uh, sometimes offense wins over defense in the modern NBA era, but this defense is absolutely like top to bottom. It's it's them and the Bucks and, and, and the Jazz as far as like very best defenses in the NBA go. What's their over-under win total? I have them at 51. Ooh, let's see. Yeah, I like them at 49, and they're at 48 and a half. So I think that's perfect. Don't touch it, folks. They they nailed that one. But I could totally see. I think, like, their ceiling's 53. I would say I'd be more surprised if they were under than surprised if they were over. I agree with that. All right, well, let's... uh, bring this one to a close and then we can jump right into uh the american southwest all right and a special shout out as always to our graphic designer evan butris he's the wax cowboy on instagram he made our uh lovely artwork uh we still don't have an official name for our mascot bones maybe i don't know that the skeleton man he did a great job on him a little grateful dad a little bill walton influence there uh so shout out to him and thank you for all, for all the listens if you've enjoyed the show it really does help if you leave a friendly rating uh and a kind review on apple Podcasts. those goes those go a long way uh kurt thank you for joining me and we'll see you next time folks